Welcome to Relentless Truth with John Warren, the podcast that extracts truth from a wide range of topics, revealing who God is, who we are, and how we relate to each other. Now, here's John with this week's powerful and practical insights. Welcome to Relentless Truth. I'm John Warren. It is good to be with you. Please like, share, review, and subscribe to Relentless Truth. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts, or you can go to my website, johnwarrenmedia.com, and uh, learn all about our work. You can also uh, send along an email with any questions or thoughts to john at johnwarrenmedia.com, or use our comment form on the website. Thank you for supporting the podcast by listening and encouraging your friends to do so. Please share our links to others on social media. Uh, please do so. This is important work, and uh, I'm grateful for you. I'm I'm going to talk about something today that is difficult for me to talk about. I've told you my a bit of my personal story. I'm uh, uncomfortable with that. I'm much more comfortable talking about uh, scripture or uh, government or economics, but I'm going to, I'm going to dive right in and try to encourage you, uh, encourage you in the faith, but encourage you with something that is very practical and I'm going to blurt it out. And I sure hope this goes well. And, and I, I would just ask, please don't judge me. I I'm, I'm going to talk about this topic tenderly and I'm going to try to be transparent, but I, I don't like it. I don't like having, you know, this conversation. I have to, I have to do a disclaimer first and say, you know, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a medical professional at all. I am not giving you healthcare advice, but I want to talk about health today. And I think it's important. I think we can go too far with this and, you know, worship our bodies or make our bodies an idol. And, uh, you know, we know all the dangers there, but I think health is, is important. And, and I know those of you who are a little older, you, you know how it becomes more and more important and more an area of focus as you, as we age. So on the outside chance that I could say something helpful to young people in this regard, that could be life-changing long-term. I want to do this. Now I, I have an interesting health story I have a couple of issues that I don't like talking about and one, one I do and the other, the other I don't. And then, and then the overarching issue that I want to speak about today makes me really uncomfortable. First, the thing I'm comfortable telling you about is uh, I am a stage three colon cancer survivor. And I, I think I've mentioned that here before. I'm almost certain I have a couple of times and I have been cancer-free, praise God, for uh, almost 19 years now. And my diagnosis, so when you talk colon cancer, for those of you who are squeamish or uncomfortable, um, I'll try to make you more comfortable. Colon cancer happens in the colon, imagine that. We, we have, um, I don't remember the number of feet, but it's like 18 feet, I think, of of tubing and stomach from the mouth to the rectum. And uh, there's a, after the stomach, you know about the esophagus. And then after the stomach comes the small intestine, you've got the pancreas, liver and other organs, gallbladder and 
other things that that sort of contribute to the digestive process. But in terms of tubing, you have a small intestine and then large intestine. And the large intestine is, um, you know, the, the, the last number of feet of uh, tubing and, and the, the rectum is at the end. Well, there's a thing called the sigmoid colon right before the rectum. The rectum's about the last, you know, doctors are going to get on me for this. If I'm wrong, I can't remember really, but I think it was the last 10 inches of the tube. And then, and then several for several feet, I want to say it's six or eight, which sounds crazy that you've got all that tubing in you, but it is the, the large intestine or what we commonly call the colon. And so my cancer was in the what is called the sigmoid colon, which is that next section before you get to the, the rectum. Something I'll bet you never thought somebody would say on a podcast. And I had a, I'm going to call it a golf ball sized tumor that Dr. Matthew Apter found in what was a, I'll call it a routine colonoscopy, but I had a slight symptom, but no pain. And I wasn't sure what to make of that symptom, went to see him and we had a good laugh together in his office before we did the, he did the colonoscopy because he said, you don't have cancer because I was young, younger than the uh, 50 year old cutoff for even having the test. But based on your, he said, he said this based on your anxiety level, I think we should do a colonoscopy. Well, his practice, and I think they all kind of did it back at that time, uh, was to do these in the hospital. And so I had to have this drug called Versed, and that that's significant. And I'll tell you about that in a minute because the hospital wouldn't allow the Michael Jackson drug propofol. And that is a significant thing in my story. And so as, as the time approached, it's really interesting. I was president of a bank and my friends who hear this, who, who were with me back then know this is true. I became more and more anxious. I, I think it was scheduled a couple of weeks out and we were in the middle of a merger. We were being acquired by a larger bank and uh, my my friend who was my boss, the CEO of the bank, kind of put me in charge of this diligence team from the other bank. 30 some people came from another part of Florida to look at our books and look inside of our bank. And they did so over a weekend, right in the middle of this, between the the visit with the gastroenterologist and and the the, the procedure, the colonoscopy itself. Now, I, I heard from a guy in the office that had just turned 50 and had one kind of what to expect. And so I was kind of prepared. And and then you do the prep the day before. For those of you who haven't done this yet, I don't want to be grotesque, but for those of you who haven't done this, uh, the the prep day is the worst of, of the of the thing. You take a laxative and uh, like a turbo dose of it and uh, you you uh, you get you get cleaned out. You do a colon cleanse so that this six foot hose with a camera at the end of it can look around. And that's really that's really the nice way of describing what happens here. Praise God for the medical professionals who are willing to do this. And so all of that is happening, which is kind of distracting. And my anxiety level grew, interestingly, as I got closer to the colonoscopy day. So as I recall, uh, it was a uh, we had a covert meeting out at the Orlando Executive Airport with the team from the other bank. And and I I, I want to say it was on a Thursday morning early 
and my colonoscopy was scheduled for Monday. I walked out in the hall and I asked my wife, I called her on my cell phone and said, she, she was an administrator at a hospital, a hospital called Florida hospital. And I, and, and, and this was going to happen at a Florida hospital and uh, one of their affiliates. And, and I, I said, could you make a call please and see if I could do this on, on Friday tomorrow? And she said, oh, well, you, you can't do that. Why are you so anxious? And I said, well, I, I, I'm, I'm in this meeting and I actually can't hear people talking right now, but they're talking. And she said, oh my goodness, you're having a panic attack. And I said, I, I think I might be. And so she called me back a few minutes later. She said, okay, I talked to them. Don't eat lunch. You can do this tomorrow, but you got to go home and start the prep. So a group was going out. There's this celebratory mood. These people are paying us multiple of book value and everybody's going to make a lot of money. And wow, I was everything but celebratory. I, I, I went to lunch with them and drank water, told them that my colonoscopy had been moved up and then went home, started the prep. It wasn't that bad, but you know, you don't eat anything. Uh, and then show up at the hospital the next day. And, and I remember just knowing, and, and I, you know, I, I don't want to sound like a new spiritualist, but knowing that this wasn't going to go well. And I said to my wife right before they rolled me back and those of you who've had surgery or any procedure like this, where you're going to be sedated, you know, you, you want people around you to know you love them and they want you to know they love you. And we, we said all that. And, and then I said, whatever you do, I want you to tell me very on a very straightforward basis. Tell me what happened here when you get the results and I wake up. And so I don't remember much about the procedure. I do remember the doctor saying to whoever was, I guess it was a nurse anesthetist, you know, give him some more. Uh, and I, I think that meant more of the sedation because he had found this golf ball sized tumor about, Oh, two feet, three feet inside of me. And, and so I, I awakened and the significance of the verset is it's kind of a mind eraser drug. It's if you've ever like, uh, had somebody uh, have their wisdom teeth out with sedation or, or a colonoscopy back in the old days uh, or at a hospital where you, they can't use propofol or some other drug with a shorter half-life, you know that that Versed stays in you for hours. And so I would wake up, my wife would have to tell me the bad news. I'd fall asleep and it'd be like Groundhog Day. I'd, I'd, it's like Bill Murray. I'd, I'd wake up again and say, hey, how'd it go? <laughs> she said, I just told you. And, and I'd fall asleep again. She had to tell me tell me like 10 times. And I remember a nurse coming by and saying, because we were crying together once I, you know, sobered up enough from the anesthesia and we were crying together. And, and, and I, I remember a nurse coming by and saying, okay, now look, I was in the room and your doctor is not going to tell you this, but I'm going to tell you that this is not a death sentence. You can survive this. And I base that on where your, your tumor is positioned and the shape of it. And so I was encouraged, but scared to death. They, they, they arranged up, they took some blood and did a, I think it was called a CEA or CAE blood test and has to do with some marker in your abdomen. And that went well. My marker wasn't terrible. And, and then I had to have a, a CT and, oh, I remember a dear guy, Clement Andres, uh, who I love dearly in my church. He was my elder assigned to us. He came to uh, visit me in the waiting area of my CT and prayed for me there. And uh, he, I'm just going to tell you now that that means so much, those little gestures. And, you know, he wasn't awkward or weird about it. He was just sitting there waiting on me when we got there. And uh, then he left graciously and they did the CT and I didn't get the results immediately, but they, 
they said that they they thought it might be in some lymph nodes and then i met uh, a surgeon general surgeon joe portuguese who wow what a great job he did but i had to have huge surgery and had some issues there and and that aren't worth discussing had to be in the hospital for a week and then I had to wait on pathology from these lymph nodes and found out that it was in several of the lymph nodes, just as the CT had predicted. But the good news was it had not traveled to other organs like the liver or the brain or the lungs. And, and so that meant that I had a good fighting chance. And even if it had traveled to those organs, I might've had a chance, but it makes the prognosis much more bleak. So I had, after the surgery, had to recover, had an IV port inserted, six months of chemo. Many of you are going through that or have gone through it. This was pretty aggressive chemo with some side effects. In fact, I still have peripheral neuropathy, which is kind of a tingling in my fingers and hands. But otherwise, they put me back together quite well. This The uh, chemo, you know, went quite well. My wife says it was difficult. It it. It was a strain on everything and people at work were very gracious and our bank was acquired in the meantime and we split away and started a new bank and all living normal life was difficult and all that good stuff. I said all that to say by way of introduction that health is important and we should all take care of ourselves. But here's where I'm going to meddle a little bit. I've never liked talking about weight as it relates to health. Whenever my doctor has said, and he's my friend, and whenever he has said, you know, he doesn't say you're fat, but that's what he says. And, and, and he says, you know, your BMI is at an unhelpful level or an unhealthy level, and you need to lose some weight. Um, he's even got on his, uh, on his business cards and his, you know, his little cards you can take with you to jot down your next appointment on the back. It says uh, his diet plan is uh, to move more, eat less. And I, I've tried, you know, everything over, over the years. And I finally found something and I'm not selling anything. I don't make any money from any aspect of this podcast and, or, or what I'm about to tell you at all. There are probably lots of good quote unquote diet plans, but I kind of tried everything and I'd lose a few pounds. I mean, back when I was young, I was skinny. And, and then as I got older, I got fatter and there was a time where lots of exercise would help. And then you get to a certain age and some of you can tell younger people what I'm talking about here. I don't know what the age is, but it has to do with metabolism slowing and you just can't work out enough to offset bad eating habits. And, and I, I'm going to just admit that I had bad eating habits. I like unhealthy food tastes good. Let's say it that way. And, and, and so I developed a bunch of bad habits and, and, uh, and I'm not saying that led to my cancer. I, I, you know, the, I stopped trying to figure out why I had cancer a long time ago. I know God used it in my life and my family's life and other people's lives for his glory. And I'm good with that. That's not what this is about. Even though I took all that time to talk about cancer, to pivot into health, but, and I'm not talking about five extra pounds. I'm talking about a lot of extra weight that I carried around and I decided about three years and three months ago after a doctor's visit, I decided, okay, this yo-yo dieting, this up and down is for the birds. And I, I tried something and I'm not going to name it. And I, I will to you privately if you write me, but I tried one of these point systems 
And there, there are several out there. My dentist is a good friend of mine, and he he told me about one that he uses that is not the one that I used. It's, it, there are apps you can use. Some are not so great, and some are really good. And and I started down the path, and and then had my annual health checkup with my doctor, and he said, he said, wow, this is great. He said, what this program is is a forced nutrition program. You get a certain number of points. In my case, as I recall, it was twenty eight. And if you use them up on unhealthy food, I mean, they go fast. But the healthy foods, fruits and vegetables that are actually good for you, and it's not necessarily intuitive, I'll, I'll say, they have either no or low point values. I don't have to go to meetings. I don't have to like talk about my feelings. I don't have to go to weigh-ins. I'm encouraged to weigh in at home and record it in the app. But I, 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 I would never do like the traditional programs, you know, the fat farm stuff, because one, I didn't want to lose it and then gain it back. I didn't want to have any kind of surgery to do it. I, I, I want it to be permanent and lifestyle changing, yet I'm not going to sit in a room and talk about how my last week went with other people. If you like that, then by all means, this program that I entered will allow you to do that. But they also have an app. And so I, my wife bought in. She decided to do it as well. And if you know me, you might have noticed this, but you might not have because it happened so slowly. It started three years and a few months ago. So about 39 months ago. And over the course of, of about a year, I, I lost about 45 pounds, 45 to 50 pounds. And, and I, I've, got a, I've got a friend at my church who did something similar. I don't know how he lost it, but he, he, he transformed him, his body as well. And, and I, I would just, I took all this time to tell you this because, you know, this is about relentless truth. And I know I'm kind of meddling in your business, but I'm, I'm not just talking about, you know, if you, if you have a little issue that is small, I'm talking about your health indicators beginning to tell you whether it's blood pressure, blood sugar, or, or some other indicator that I wouldn't think of because I'm not a medical professional. And, and you're starting to have to medicate for some of those things. By all means, do that. But also have that conversation with your doctor. And if weight loss is in order, don't do the thing I did, which was, I heard everything else he said, but I'm not going to hear that. Weight's not that important. You know, your physician friends don't tell you this, but they size us up based on an assumption. I'm going to tell you two assumptions they use. One, when they walk in the room, they quickly, I, I there are all kinds of projections of these numbers, but I, I don't know what they are, but, but within minutes, if not seconds, they've sized up the issue and reached a conclusion. That's, that's one thing you need to know. Number two, and they'll tell you this, they, they try not to do this, but they'll also tell you that they know human behavior is human behavior. They've learned in medical school that most people aren't going to radically change their habits. They know that if they could get you to do so, that, that it would be health changing for you in a good way but they realize they might not be able to do that. And so they use medicine. They, they, they do that because they care. They, they are in a noble profession and they care. I'm not criticizing the medical profession, but I am suggesting that I wish we let them speak more boldly to us. I wish we had ears to hear from them because what they'll tell you is, and, 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 
we're not going to debate BMI here, but what they'll tell you is if, if you're, if you're obese, you're going to make a lot of other things hard on yourself from a health standpoint, not to mention, I mean, part, part of that is joints. And, and so I'm talking about body systems. And so I wish I had done it years earlier. I, I blamed it on stress. You know, I'm in a stressful profession. I blamed it on age. I blamed it on genetics. And, and believe me, genetics play a role, don't they? You know that. Metabolism plays a role. And you, you a good physician friend of mine said, you get your cholesterol numbers from your mom and dad. And you do. And mine's not too bad. It's not bad even, but it's not perfect. So I lost some weight, 45 pounds or so few more and I'm going to lose some more for those of you who know me. I'm uh, I, I got about 20 more to go. It sounds crazy to say I'm going to lose a total of 70 ish pounds, but I am God willing. No, you don't have to starve yourself. You can, you can make it pleasant. You can eat unlimited amounts of some foods, you know, like raw carrots and things. And believe me, when you're doing this, those things start to taste really good. A banana to me tastes like, the best dessert I ever had now. And I know that sounds a little crazy and you're probably cringing thinking, well, I can't do that. Well, you can, you can take baby steps. You can make progress. This app requires you to report daily, all your meals and your exercise. It gives you some extra points for exercise. It's really cool. So what I do for exercise, not that I'm the model person for this, but I walk about three miles a day at a pretty good pace an uncomfortably quick pace for me, you know, in, in other words, slightly faster than my normal, I'm in a hurry walking pace, like not fast enough that I'm going to fall over, not fast enough that I'm jogging because my knees aren't the best in the world, but, but I, I walk and I, I, I do all this in 45 minutes or so, about 15 minute miles, which is moving out if you're walking on flat surface which is what we have in, here in Florida in central Florida. So I walk, I do some stretching. I have some bands for stretching. I have some very light weights that I do a little bit of training with not much. And, and that's, that's really the extent of it. There's one more element to this that I'm just learning a lot about, which is hydration. I am not a hydration expert but I actually believe that most of us are dehydrated most of the time. Now, I, I don't know for sure whether you have an issue with this, but there's a formula out there. A lot of my friends who care about this stuff say the average person, average person, maybe not you, I'm not giving you medical advice, needs 100 ounces of water a day. There's another formula that says you use your body weight and, and you half it for the number of ounces that you need. And then you add 12 more ounces for every half hour of exercise. So I'm, I'm not sure what the, what the right formula is, but investigate it. And, and you'd be surprised at, at just the way you feel, how much better you feel. I'm not suggesting you drink water instead of getting nutrition, get on a nutrition plan. This forced nutrition of one of these plans can be wonderful don't just not eat. Don't just eat low fat everything and don't supplement with sugar-free alternatives that aren't healthy for you. I would encourage you to, to seek advice from a nutritionist or get in one of these programs that is really well-regarded and I'm happy to pass along 
the one that was so meaningful to me. Now, the point in all of this is not to glorify myself. The point is to live a healthy life so that I can teach, so that I can conduct this podcast, so that I can consult with Christian organizations around the country, so that I can maintain high energy, so that my work ethic is good, so that I can glorify God, so that I'm a good steward of this body, so that I can have a fulfilling life doing something meaningful for the rest of my life without too many limitations. And I would, I would just go back to our last episode and saying that our motivation for this comes from God first loving us in the person of Jesus Christ. Therefore, then we can love and we love better if we're healthy. So I'm not doing fat shaming. That's not what's happening here. I'm still fat. My BMI is not where it should be still. It's going to be. And I'm not just focused on that. I'm focused on really some other health numbers that I want to see continue to improve. In fact, I've kept the weight off for a couple of years tells you that I'm motivated by something. I mean, when I do something for this long without turning my head to something else, then, then, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm locked on and it, and it's working. This last 20 is a little trickier than those first 45 or 50. So, so I'm going to have to stay at it, work patiently at it. I probably lost the weight at a pace of three or four pounds a month for that first year. Then it slowed down some and I've just kind of maintained for the last year or so. So it is God's love for us though, that really motivates this. And, and, and I, I don't think my, that, that is contrived on my part that allows me to love and allows me to be passionate about what I do and to recognize my stewardship duty and to want to be healthy. I could have another health issue down the road. And I realize that. And a lot, lots of people do through no fault of their own. Some of the healthiest people, you know, do. And if that is God's will, then that is his will. But I don't want to contribute to bad health. And I thought I would just pass these thoughts on because you know, nobody talks about it. We all love each other and we're, we, we don't, we don't talk about this stuff. Guys, especially we don't, we don't do this. Women, you, you do a better job of talking about your feelings and about important issues. We, we just kind of grunt at each other cause we're cavemen and I guys, you, especially, I would encourage to take this seriously. And, 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 you know, another, another thing I haven't talked about is getting checked out. If I hadn't, if I hadn't had that sense and gone and gotten that colonoscopy, I wouldn't be here today. So, so there's sometimes the numbers, sometimes those age limits and things, I'm not looking to create doubts or fears, but uh, sometimes you have to listen to your body. There's a mind body connection. I'll tell you something cool in closing, the vagal complex, the vasovagal system, the vasovagal response is really cool. It's it's I'm going to butcher this for all my physician friends, my apologies, but basically there's a there's a nerve complex that connects your brain and your stomach, your abdomen. And it really you, you might not have heard of this, uh, but many of you probably have. It it's the thing that when people say I have a gut feeling, they're probably talking about that vagus nerve. But what 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 it really does that I think is cool is if if you have a stomach Sometimes you get a feeling in your stomach 
based on your brain processing something. And some of you probably pass out when you see blood or you can't look at your arm when they inject it or, or if they draw blood, you have to, or some other stressful situation that I can't think of when you go through it, you tend to want to pass out, you get lightheaded. Well, that's the cool thing about this complex. This complex got, God made us such that, and, and another interesting study is the eye, but, but with respect to this vagus nerve, God made us such that if our blood pressure drops significantly in one of these crisis moments, we do tend to pass out. And what happens then is our, our head gets more oxygen because it's at the same level with our heart, which is operating at you know, limited efficiency because of this dropping blood pressure. And I, I just think that's, that's kind of neat, but if understanding and, and we, we don't understand all the implications of this, but the connection of the, the stomach to the, to the brain is, is just fascinating. You've, you've heard, you've probably seen the ads on the cortisol and all the rest. The body is, is just fascinating. The way the eye processes images to, and the optic nerve sends it to an occipital lobe and, and how all that works. You know, I mentioned at the beginning that I have a, a second health issue and I would ask you to pray about this one and I'll close with this. I, I have macular degeneration. It's in the moderate stage right now, but that that's a, a retina issue that some of you probably have. It, and my dad has it. I think my mom has it too now. And it's uh, usually inherited uh, genetically and I don't require treatment yet. I take vitamins, but I would appreciate your prayer that it doesn't advance. It's dry. There's a wet kind, meaning there's blood in and behind the retina. I think barely, I barely understand uh, this condition, but it does impact vision and it's impacting mine a little bit. I'm still able to function and correct that vision, but I would certainly appreciate your prayer. This hydration and, and healthy eating, it's uh, this macular degeneration is not the reason I started that, but it's, it's certainly a, a benefit You'd be surprised how cholesterol uh, impacts vision and, and maybe you wouldn't. And I'm the only village idiot, but I find it fascinating that these big health markers that we we focus on are so important. So I, I hope in a strange way, this has been encouraging. If you'd like more information, again, I'm not selling anything, but if you'd like to know more about what I did, uh, send along an email to John at John or use the comment form on the website. Please like, share, review, and subscribe to Relentless Truth. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. You're a blessing. I'm thankful that you're here. This audience is uh, so important to me, and I look forward to being with you again next time. Thanks for listening to Relentless Truth with John Warren. Please consider sharing this podcast and subscribe to receive future episodes. Connect with John regarding your comments, questions, and show ideas through johnwarrenmedia.com or at John Warren Media on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. That's all for this episode. Join us next week for another edition of Relentless Truth with John Warren.